You're listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We're a house that will empower you in your walk with Christ to get free, live free, and set others free. This is our Sunday service series. For more information, go to FHUS.org. Enjoy. All right. Well, Pastor has been on this series about praise, which has been fantastic. Um, And so this morning, I want to talk about what robe are you wearing? And I'm sure instantly you're seeing how that connects with praise, right? Everyone's like, no. Um, I'm not talking about the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or the robe of righteousness um, or even your bathrobe that I'm sure would be very comfortable on this cold day. Um, But I'm talking about a different type of robe. So I want to open up by looking at Matthew 22, um, and the verses will be on the side. We're going to read a little chunk of scripture this morning, um, and then we'll go through and break it down verse by verse. So verse 1 says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And so Jesus mentions at the very beginning of this parable that this is likened to the kingdom of heaven. So as we go through these verses, verse by verse, I want you to be thinking about the feast and the invitation to the feast as the presence of God. And the wedding clothes is the robe or what we wear when we choose to enter into God's presence. Um, So as you can see from these verses, there was quite a few different responses that the king got. Um, The first response that the king got to his invitation were those that actually refused the presence of God. Um, So this goes down to um, verse 3. It says, He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. And what's really interesting about this time period is um, in Jewish culture, people were invited to a wedding. They got the save the date. And, you know, normally the save the date has the date and time that the event is going to be taking place. Not so in this case. You were told an event is coming up, but not given a specific time or date when the event was actually going to be taking place. And so what the host would do is he would be preparing everything, getting the meal ready. And then once he was ready and the banquet hall had been set up, then the host would send out his servants and the servants would go to everyone who had already been invited and say, now is the time the wedding is ready. So 
All of these people had already received the invitation to the wedding. But when it came time for them to actually show up to the wedding, that's when they actually refused. So it wasn't that this was the first time that they were hearing about it. Um, and what's, what's really interesting about this is refuse literally means that they were unwilling. So it's not just that they were like, no, I don't want to go. It's actually that they had an unwillingness on the inside of them to show up in the presence of God, which is likened to the wedding feast. Um, and they ha I mean, in our lives, that would be like an unwillingness to surrender, not being willing to actually trade in our will for God's will. Um, I lead a, a class on purity at House of Grace. House of Grace is a, um, it's a residential recovery program that, um, that I, I actually work for a city team who oversees it. And our church has been really involved with the ladies there at House of Grace. And so every Monday I go there and I teach this class about purity and about healthy relationships. And so this is for a bunch of women who are brand new coming out of drug addiction. They could be coming out of jails, institutions, homelessness. And so you can imagine the type of relationships that these women are probably in by the time that they get to the program. You know, a lot of them are dating someone who's in prison or someone who's selling drugs, not a healthy relationship to be in. And so at the end of my purity class, I do a teaching on soul ties. And then I actually go through a ceremony teaching these women how to break these ungodly attachments that they have in these unhealthy relationships. And the women really look forward to this because what we do is we light everything on fire. And so I'm known as the teacher that lights things on fire and the ladies really love that. <laughs> um, so they'll bring, you know, they'll bring their love notes from the guy or their, you know, pictures of him or mementos. And we'll go through this whole process where they'll get to torch everything. And it's really therapeutic and exciting um, and so, you know, this past Monday was, it was time to do this. And the ladies had been looking forward to it. I'd already done the teaching. And Monday was the time when we were actually going to be doing the ceremony. And so right before it happened, one of the ladies pulled me aside and she was like, hey, Melanie, I have a question. You know, I have this name I think I should write down, but I'm not really sure. I wanted to ask you some questions about it because it's someone that I still really want to be in a relationship with. And I was like, okay, well, you know, did you guys use together? Were you in your addiction together? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, um, so what is he doing right now? You know, she's made this commitment to a long-term recovery program and is bettering herself, working on getting healthy, building a relationship with God. And so I was like, you know, what is he doing with his time? And she was like, oh, well, you know, I think he's living at a homeless shelter and he's still drinking. You know, he was drunk when I talked to him on the phone the other night. And so I was like, okay, so let me get this straight. You're here taking time to better yourself and he's not choosing to make the same decisions and you're wondering if you should let the relationship go? And so I, I told the girl, you know, she, she really was looking for permission from me to hold on to something from her past that was not healthy. And so what I told her was, you get to make the decision. You get to decide if you're going to hold on to this relationship that could potentially lead you down a road of jeopardizing your sobriety and then experiencing all of those consequences, or you could make a decision to let go of something that is unhealthy for you, work on yourself, and actually wait for God's best to come into your life. 
And I was like, you get to choose, you know? And her eyes were like super big. I don't think that that's exactly the response that she was hoping for from me. But the thing is, we get the power to choose. Either we choose to hold on to the junk and the garbage from our past, or we choose to let go of that so we can experience the newness of what God actually has for us. And there has to be a willingness to let go of the old if you want to experience the new. You don't get both. It's the same thing that Jesus did for us. He took on all of our sins. He went to the cross and died just so that we can die in him to our old self and be resurrected in new life in him. There has to be a death if you want to experience the newness. And so these people, they refused the presence of God. They were unwilling to let go of their old junk in order to actually enter into God's presence. The next set of people were too busy for the presence of God. So this is verse four. It says, then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. And what's interesting about this is they traded something that was special, something that was important, something that was valuable for something that is there all of the time. It wasn't like it was, you know, not something that they did have to do. You know, they had business they had to take care of, their field. Those were things that genuinely they had responsibilities to. But... It was things that they actually prioritized over the presence of God. They were too busy with these day-to-day distractions with the cares of the world to actually prioritize the presence of God. And when it came down to them making a decision, they chose the daily things over actually engaging in God's presence and attending this wedding feast. You know, pastor's been talking a lot about praise in his sermons and cultivating the presence of God. You know, and in order for us to be intentional about cultivating the presence of God, it means that we're going to have to know the difference between things that are good and things that are God. And sometimes you may have to choose to put that thing that is good or that responsibility that you have to the side or take care of it at a different time so that you can prioritize what is actually important and not spending time with God. In Galatians 5.17, it says, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. The fight is there, but you get to choose who wins the fight. It is our decision whether we are allowing the cares of the world to take up our time or whether we're allowing the presence of God to take up our time. We have to be the ones that actually make room in our lives for these things. Um, This past week at Connect Group, Adam was talking about heart issues and he opened up Connect Group with an episode of Hoarders which was really funny when everyone walked in from Connect Group. They're like, oh, you guys are watching TV, you know, and started joking. And Adam was like, no, like, this is what we're doing for Connect Group. And they thought we were kidding, but he was serious. And so he, he starts to play, you know, a couple clips from this episode of Hoarders. And 
For those of you, I'm sure you guys have probably seen commercials for it or know these you know, people have things in their house that are filled from like floor to ceiling. And the first clip shows this woman, it's her house, and she's walking around with you know, the gentleman who's gonna be overseeing the cleanup and helping her get organized. And so she opens the door and she walks into this room and she's like, wow, you know, I really just don't remember it being this bad. And the guy is just looking around like you literally have garbage from the floor to the ceiling. What do you mean you don't remember it being this bad? Like that doesn't happen overnight, you know, but her perspective was different. Her perspective was, it's not that bad. I don't remember it being that bad. There wasn't any room left in her house. And so for us, in our heart, in our life, on our calendar, we have to make sure that we're actually making room for God in our lives and make sure that when we're actually evaluating, if we take a step back and we look at those things, what are we going to see? Are we going to be like, oh, it's not that bad, you know, it's not that bad at all? Or are we actually going to be objective and say, wow, the way that I'm spending my time could be used better. I could actually be setting more time aside to engage in the presence of God or to get into the word or spend time with my community. Are there areas in your life that you have filled up that you actually need to make room for the presence of God? We need to become less preoccupied with the cares of this world. The next group of people were antagonistic to the presence of God. So they actually seized the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. And I was like, wow, that is a very strong response to a wedding feast invitation. You know, I mean, at least there's food there, but they were like not having it. They had active opposition and hostility to the presence of God. And the thing about this is not only did they not want to be in the presence, they didn't want others to be in the presence of God either. Because if you look at that, it says that they seized the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. So not only were they not willing to go, but the people whose sole mission it was to actually bring people into this wedding feast, into the presence of God, they actually killed them so that they weren't able to do their job. So they weren't partaking, and they didn't want others to partake either. You know, and... This could be, I mean, from hurt or trauma. It could be that someone is carrying unforgiveness or offense or that they blame God or that they have a lack of faith. But you see this manifest in gossiping, in disunity, and also in Numbers 13, where the spies went to spy out the promised land. So I'm going to read this to you. Um, the, so the Israelites, you know, their inheritance, the promised land, they had been waiting so long to get there. The time was now. They sent out the spies to check out the land. And this is the report that the spies came back with. Verse 30 says, Then Caleb told the people in front of Moses to be quiet. And he said, Let us go up at once and take the land, for we are well able to take it in battle. So Caleb's like, let's do this. Like, we can take them. But verse 31 says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go against the people. They are too strong for us. So they brought the people of Israel bad news about the land they had spied out, saying the land we have gone to spy out is a land that destroys those who go there to live. All the people we saw in it are very large. 
So their lack of faith started spreading. And so what actually came out of their mouth was not a profession of faith, but what came out of their mouth was actually that it's not possible. And so they're going to all these people and Caleb's like, let's do it. We can take them. The people are big, but our God's bigger. And then these other people are like, no, it's not possible. And this land was promised to them as an inheritance. The promised land was specifically for them, the land flowing with milk and honey. God was the one that was like, now is your time, take the land. But these people were afraid. And so not only did it stop them from believing for the promise, but they were trying to stop others from believing for the promise as well. And so we have to be very careful in our lives and in the lives of the people we surround ourselves with that this is not what's coming out of our mouth and this isn't what other people are telling us. Because if you are a person of boldness, of courageousness, of faith, that you're like, I'm Caleb, I'm gonna believe God, I have this attitude of faith on the inside of me, but someone else maybe has been hurt by God because he hasn't showed up yet in their timeline, and so they have offense or unforgiveness or they're mad at the pastors and so they're offended with them. And and so what comes out of their mouth is not going to be in alignment with what God is calling you to do. They are going to try to pull you out of the promise when God is trying to call you forward in the promise. And so that lack of faith, that gossiping, that spreading disunity, that can actually bring an abortion or a murder to the promise of God. Because if that is what you are giving ear to, then that's what's going to start happening on the inside of you. That heart attitude of faith, that willingness to do whatever it takes to take on the giants, it doesn't matter how big they are, that's going to change because what you're hearing, what you're feeding yourself with is contrary to that. And so we need to make sure that we are people that are actually having that attitude of faith like Caleb had on the inside of us that I don't care what it looks like, I don't care how big the giants are, I'm going to be a victor because God said so. And that's it. All right. And now we get down to the one guy who actually made it to the feast. Yay for him. When I was first reading this, I was like, yay, like someone made it. That is fantastic. But this guy didn't respond in excellence. And I'm going to show you why. Um, And I know that verse 13 is a little bit intense, but I will go into the reasoning for that. So it says, but when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I was like, okay, sort of savage response, you know, to not wearing the proper garment. But there's a reason for this. So during this time in history, everyone had a wedding robe. You had your own wedding robe. Every time you were invited to a wedding, you would wear this robe. You would put this robe on. And your robe was actually decorated or adorned based on your social standing. So if you were doing pretty good, maybe you had the Gucci robe with some gold on it, maybe some diamonds, you know, it was blinged out. But everyone had a robe that they would wear. And so 
the only difference was if a king was the one that was inviting you to the wedding, you didn't wear your robe that was a sign of your social standing, the king provided a robe for you. So if you think about this guy, at the beginning, I was like, they went out and got the good and bad. Like he was probably just poor and didn't have a wedding robe. But the thing was, is that the king would make arrangements in advance to make sure that every single person that was invited to the wedding feast actually had a robe to wear to the wedding feast. Because this robe was a sign of the king's prestige and power. And so everyone was supposed to wear the robe that he sent. It was customary. That's how you approached the king for the wedding that he was throwing. So when we go back and read through this parable in verse 13, where it's like, ouch, you know, this guy made an intentional decision to get dressed that morning in something different than what the king had already provided for him. So he had the robe, he had the invitation, and he chose intentionally not to approach the king in the way that the king deserved to be approached. It wasn't that he was poor. All the provisions had been made. There was an intentional decision that he made in his heart that he was not going to approach the king in the wedding robe the king provided. He showed up to the event just because he was invited, but he didn't have any honor for the king. He didn't have any love for the king's son. He was there simply because an invitation had been sent out to him. His heart motivation was off. You know, he wanted to eat and enjoy the festivities and get some free food and maybe hang out with people, but he wasn't willing to go in the way that was actually required. He came how he wanted instead of how the king expected. And that's exactly what rebellion is. It's like, I still want to come, but I refuse to come the way that you want me to come. And, you know, it, it would be different if the guy was the one throwing the wedding feast. Like, you know, then he could say, hey, this is a cocktail event, you know, black tie, or it's going to be a little more casual. This guy wasn't the one throwing the feast. The king was. God was. God was the one that extended the invitation. And so everyone should respond in the way that is appropriate for the one who's actually extending the invitation. And I think sometimes what we do is we invite God to our party so that we can come as we want. But that's not the way it works. God is inviting us to his party and there's a specific way that we need to come to him. You can't have your independence and God's presence at the same time. I'll say that again. You can't have your independence and God's presence at the same time. Either you're surrendering all for him or you're trying to invite him to your party, which doesn't work. You know, the young rich ruler is a perfect example of this. You know, he went to Jesus and he's like, all right, like, what do I have to do? You know, what do I have to do? And Jesus is like, okay, starts naming off some things. And the young rich ruler's like, bam, check those off the list. Like I got all that done, I'm ready. And Jesus said, the very last thing, I want you to give all your money to the poor. And that's when the young rich ruler was not willing to do what it took to actually follow Jesus. He wasn't willing to put on the robe and respond to the invitation for the person who actually sent it. 
The thing is, is that king deserves to be approached in a certain way. There's a, a, a protocol, a customary way that we should actually engage with the presence of God. And God's made those provisions for us available, but we have to choose how we are going to respond. In verse 14, it says, for many are invited, but few are chosen. And I love the Passion Translation. It says, for everyone is invited to enter in, but few respond in excellence. So it's like that invitation is out there. We are the ones that have to decide. The same way I told that girl, you get to decide. But when we decide, we reap the consequences of our decision. We can't blame God. It didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to or that it didn't look exactly how it was supposed to because we're doing things our way, not his way. But if we choose that we're actually gonna respond the way that we need to respond with God, the way that we need to engage with his presence, that's how we actually respond in excellence. So back to the robe. What robe is it that you are actually wearing? God's already extended that invitation to you. He's told you how to access, provided exactly what you needed to wear. Like, that's what I love about it. It wasn't like this guy had to do anything other than put a robe on. That was all that was expected of him. Put the robe on, show up in the robe. You know, and sometimes I think we're like, oh, there's just, God's expecting too much of me or there's all these things that I have to do in order to please him. God's like, no, put the robe on and show up. All I'm asking you to do is show up. Everything that you have has already been provided to you by him. All you have to do is show up. And the key to actually responding in excellence goes back to honor. You know, honor actually unlocks the presence of God. Honor is what communicates value. And honor is what positions us to receive. When we try to engage in the presence of God in our own strength, in our own way, it cuts us off from being able to receive what it is that God's offering. You know, and I, th I think about, imagine those who should have been at the wedding feast and chose not to go. Imagine the conversations that they missed out on, the revelation that was there that was available for them, the people that they would have interacted with, the growth that was actually meant to take place, but they chose not to go. With God, the biggest thing in our relationship with him is building that intimacy. And in order to build intimacy, it means that you have to spend time with that person. You know, it's like the, the conversations that a husband and wife have or best friends have, you know, that have known each other forever. They're pursuing after the call of God together. Those levels of conversation are different than the conversation you have with someone you just meet. And we need to be careful with God that we're not just having surface level conversation. You know, that we don't feel that obligation to show up because we were invited. And so we go in and we do, you know, our little five minute maintenance tongues and then get out of the presence of God and are exactly the same as when we entered. That's not what actually builds intimacy. That's not what builds closeness. Intimacy has been described as being close to, being familiar with, as a friendship. But my favorite definition is a cozy atmosphere. And I love that because when we go into the presence of God, when we engage with God, there's actually an atmosphere that is cultivated and built around us. 
And that atmosphere is not just meant for us, but it's meant for us to actually carry to other people that we come into contact with that day. Like when I, when I bump into people, I want them to be like, hey, like what's going on with you? And I'm like, dude, it's a cozy atmosphere. And they're like, hey, how do I get a cozy atmosphere? And I'm like, come here, God's here. You know, I want them to feel something different when I'm around them. But if you show up in your personal prayer time in the presence of God under obligation, and you're just like, eh, I'm here because I have to be here. You know, this is what I'm supposed to do. And you just check it off your list for the day you're going to leave with the exact same atmosphere that you walked in there with. And that's not a very cozy atmosphere. That's not an atmosphere that other people are gonna be like, hey, I see something different about you. They're gonna be like, oh, we should avoid that person. Looks like they're having a bad day. And so those conversations that we have with God, those words that are given, those revelation, that growth that takes place in the presence of God, That's something that is meant for you, but also for other people. So when you skip that time, when you skip really engaging with God, you're missing out, not just for yourself, but you're missing out what you're meant to carry to others. There's things that God wants to download to you. Maybe there's a friend that is having a difficult time. And the only way you're going to know that is by getting in your prayer closet and God puts them on your heart and is like, you need to send them a text message and just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you today. I love you. God loves you. Or maybe someone you need to give a call to. But if we're not taking that time out, if we're too busy to actually get into God's presence, if we're not making room for that, we're not building that intimacy, then those are the conversations that we're going to miss out on. You know, I don't want to be the type of person that only knows God on the surface. That's not the type of relationship I want to have. I want to be the type of person that knows God deeply and continues to get to know God deeply. Because when I bring God to other people, I don't want to carry surface level stuff. I want to bring the presence of God that creates transformation in the lives of others. The same way people have done that for me. You know, each one of you that are here today... There's someone that invited you to church, that brought you here, that invited you to connect group, that's ministered to you, that's prayed with you. There's people that have carried the presence of God in your life. At times when maybe you didn't know it existed yet, you weren't willing to accept it yet, or maybe you just needed it because you were having a difficult time with it yourself. There's people that have carried that into your life. And that's what we're meant to do. But in order for us to carry it, we have to have it ourselves. And so if we go into our time with God and we're empty, we don't have much to offer, we're not actually showing honor and placing value on him, we're going to leave empty. Instead of being able to go into the presence of God and leaving full, leaving like we were filled with something that we then now feel invigorated and we can go and be excited to share that with other people. So the last verse I want to look at is Mark 6, 54. And it says, as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. 
and all who, t- who touched it were healed. When was the last time that you ran to the presence of God? Like when I read this verse, I was like, these people literally ran throughout the entire region. And not only were they running for themselves, they were running to get other people that they could actually carry into the presence of God. It says that they ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick. This is what's available to us in the presence of God. That is what we are actually able to unlock when we choose to place that honor. And for us, you know, as a church here in Santa Cruz, we need to be people that are willing to run. We need to be people that are not just running ourselves to the presence of God, but that are actually running to bring others in to the presence of God. Think about yourself. Think about the invitations that you've, that you've received for the presence of God. The people that were willing to pray with you when you really needed it. The people that reached out and called you or picked you up and brought you to church or took you to connect group. Those that were willing to carry the presence of God for you until you were able to start cultivating some of it on your own. That's what we need to do here as a church. That's what we need to do as individual believers. We need to say, God, I am willing to run into your presence so that I can be filled. And I'm willing to run out into the highways, the byways, everywhere I go so that I can carry others into the presence of God. I love how it said that they carried them because sometimes we need to be carried. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, we may be at a point in our life where we just feel tired or we feel worn out, or maybe we don't know how to engage with the presence of God yet. We know that we want it, but we don't know how to actually get there. And we need someone to actually come and say, hey, I am willing to pick you up. I'm willing to come carry you because I know that once you get to the presence of God, your life is gonna be radically transformed. We need to be the people that are willing to carry others. We need to be the church that is willing to go out there and get others and carry them in. The presence of God unlocks something on the inside of us. As you can see, these people were healed physically, emotionally, spiritually. We need healing. There's people out there that need to be healed. And it's only gonna happen once they get to know Jesus once they get to know what the presence of God has for them. And so as we get ready to close, I'd like you all to stand to your feet. And I want you to just think about that for a minute, that idea of running. That idea of you personally running into the presence of God and you running to carry others into the presence of God. Are you willing to actually make that decision today? Are you willing to say, you know what, God? I'm willing to lay lay it all down. I'm willing to surrender my will. I'm willing to surrender the things that I wanna do. And I'm willing to actually be a person that will not only run into your presence, but that will carry others into the presence of God. You've been listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like more information about our house, please visit our website, fhus.org. Thanks again for tuning in and please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. See you next time.